Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. This is the place to learn how to get through your worst rock bottom and start to embrace adversity. I'm your host, Petra Belzebor. I'm a therapist and a life coach, but my biggest learning is from my own rock bottom. My story includes being raised in a cult, dealing with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and alcoholism. But along the way, I've learned to turn my entire life around to one of success, joy, and fulfillment. So in this podcast, I'll be talking to people from all walks of life who've done the same. I'll be teasing out the skills and tools necessary, as well as using my own experience to teach you how to turn your adversity into your biggest advantage. Welcome everyone to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Michael Laidler, who is a passionate speaker whose unwavering commitment to excellence, passion, and loyalty has quickly earned him the reputation as an up-and-coming industry leader. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you. Thank you, Petra, for having me. It's great to have you. Um, so, so fill in the blanks for us. What, what, what do you do? What are you most passionate about in life at the moment? I do three simple things right now. I coach, I train, and I speak. And my passion comes from trying to help develop leaders, help them learn how to connect with the people they lead, help them learn how to influence the people they need. Because I found throughout my life, a lot of people, they don't really receive leadership training, so to speak, because it's not one of those skills that people really focus on. Isn't it, it's, it's isn't it strange, though? Yeah, it is because it's, it's hard to measure. Yeah, but oh, I see. when you really look at the root causes of a lot of issues, it's usually a breakdown in communication or a breakdown in understanding what the person was trying to tell you. But a lot of times we only measure it by true numbers, and that's why a lot of people don't, don't use it. And, that's, and, and that would happen to me because I became a lieutenant with the Federal Bureau of Prisons in the United States a couple of years ago. And when I entered that position, I was really lost. So I didn't presumably you've been, you'd been working in, in the, that sort of industry for, for a while, had gotten to that level, and then still felt lost? Correct. But because it's, it, over time, it took me that. It, it, what I had to realize was I was now responsible for leading people. Mm-hmm. It wasn't my job to do the everyday task. And I think that was the hardest transition for me was leading people, mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to make them better. And I think that when people look at leadership, sometimes they think of leadership as a manager, someone that's there to, to make sure the numbers are right, or someone there that's making sure people are showing up to work versus a leader. A leader helps develop people. They grow their skill. They help them become better today than they were yesterday. And I think that was something that wasn't really taught to me. I mean, yeah, I read leadership books. I have a master's degree in business, but actually applying it in the real world situations was something completely different. And if you and at the time when I didn't have that leadership training, it was a struggle because I was thinking, man, what am I missing here? Like, why is this so tough to connect with these people? And it wasn't until I started doing more leadership development, focusing on myself, that I was able to focus on others. And you also don't want to sort of admit that you don't know what you're doing when you've gotten to that level. You've been promoted or you've been recruited or whatever into that sort of management slash leadership role. Uh, you know, you don't want to be like, oh, I feel a bit lost, do you? Absolutely not. And right. that, I think, and that's what you learn over – you actually learn a good leader amidst their mistakes. Right. But when you're not really not, – when you're not really certain how that works, then you're afraid to admit that mistake. You're afraid to ask people for help. You're afraid to find people that 
fulfill your weaknesses. Because as the leader, a lot of times what I thought was like, well, I need to know how to do everything. I have to be able to do everything on my own. Versus now it's like, well, who can I use to do this task? Right. Who can I use to do this? How can I help them develop? Because I've already done it. And how, I didn't you, realize that in mm, the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So it's like bringing uh, expertise together rather than uh, having to know everything. Absolutely. And it, it just maximizes your time and efficiency as a leader when you learn those skills of, well, who else can I use? What can I do to make them better versus, well, I know it has to be done, so let me try to figure out how to do everything on my own. And so I'm, I'm really curious about how you de- develop this skill and, and we'll come back to it. But I want to give our listeners just a bit of context to you, Michael, the person, um, to your, your history. Um, give us just a bit of context about what it was like growing up. Um, you know, did, you, did your parents or the education system kind of prepare you for the real world? Yes and no. I was raised by a single parent and my grandmother. Yeah. And both of them were hard workers. My grandmother was handicapped, so she ended up taking care of the kids. And my mom worked every day, and somehow she still managed to come to all of our events. I don't even know to this day how she did it. I even asked her, and she's like, I don't know. <laughs> but she made it work for us. Yeah. But what they taught me was hard work. They taught me how going to work every day, trying to make ends meet. That was productive. I mean, we did have our tough times. I mean, we went sometimes without electricity. We moved every year. But we always had one thing, love. And I think that's one of the biggest things that people don't realize is that that's free. Love is actually a free thing we can give. You don't have to be a billionaire to understand that love is something that everybody needs and wants. And I think that's such a big disconnect when people are looking at growing up. So what I used was their hard work, and it, 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 it got me places. It, it, it helped imagine. me get jobs. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it helped me get jobs. It helped me showcase my abilities. But I was still lacking one thing because of hard work. Because as a hard worker, you just want to do everything. Yeah, or you feel like you, you need to if that's what you've witnessed or you're, you perceived that you witnessed that in the people that were older around you. You just think that's the way it goes. Correct. So I, I, I made some choices. I mean, I've predominantly been in the law enforcement sector most of my career. I mean, maybe one or two years out of it since I've been an adult. Um, I received a bachelor's degree. I earned a master's degree. Um, I've done all all those things. This is all down to work ethic? Yes. Yeah, Yeah. that was just down to work ethic by itself. That was just me pushing myself because I was like, you know what? I want to try something new. I want to keep going just to see how it feels. Because I I saw like my sister, for example, she she received a master's degree. So I was like, you know what? I want to receive one now. (laughs) Yeah. And... It got to a point to where I was like, man, I'm still missing something. What am I doing wrong? And I think that's what, when I became a lieutenant, I mean, I always knew, I knew I wanted to lead people. I mean, I always have that, had that feeling in me. Mm. And I think in 2013, that was my last semester in my master's program is when I finally took a leadership course. And that really opened my eyes to my, some of my aspirations. And still, 2013, I still was not leading people, so to speak, not in a formal position, but it really helped push me towards, you know what, I need to learn more. And then in 2016, I joined Toastmasters. Ooh, and then that can change people's lives. Yes, yes, and oh, it, it has been. Yeah. And then in 2017, I joined the John Maxwell team. So I progressively become better, but it's through hard work that got me there. But I think the lack of knowledge for the leadership side is what really has made me who I am today in 2018. And so what was it about law enforcement that appealed to you right when you were a young, young man? 
I actually, I, I have a, I actually became a police officer when I was 19. Okay. And that was one of those hard work things. My sister, we were living together at the time. We were both in college and she was working for the police department and she kind of challenged me. She said, you know what? They're hiring police officers. And I was like, you know what? This is what I want to do. Let me try and see what happens. Okay. And I actually, I, I got the job as a police officer at 19 and I learned a lot of valuable lessons in my life. And I think the biggest one out of a few of them was probably communication because communication goes so far in law enforcement. It can change the way you're on any scene, the way you respond to a call, the way that people perceive you as a police officer based on your level of communication. And then as I became older and I saw other people using communication, I was like, this is why they're so smooth. This is how they're so effective. It's because they're using that level of communication to influence people and to make them better. And it took me time to realize that. I mean, in my 20s, I wasn't really looking at no. life like that. I and was did, just like, did you they know teach what? you? Did, did, did law enforcement, like as part of your training, was it like how do you talk to different types of people or was that not really there? That was there. And it was actually something cool that happened in my in my when I was in the field training officer program where they teach newer officers how to become better police officers and kind of give you the basic fundamentals. We actually had a, we would do this one exercise, so to speak, where we would go out to a local neighborhood and stand on the corner and talk to the neighbors or the citizens that were walking around. And one day, one of my field training officers had the great idea. They wanted to add an extra layer to the training. So he told us, all right, today, guys, I want you guys, in addition to the normal questions you ask about like getting people's basic information, their name, their date of birth, I want you to ask them what their favorite candy bar is. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I was just like, what? What is the purpose of that? Yeah, yeah. And we're, we're serious people. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, that's not. And then he was like, go try it and see what happens. Yeah. And the fact that we asked them a question that was off the wall, so to speak, it opened people up so much more. And I I mean, it took me years to realize the benefit of that. But when I did, I was just like, huh. So <laughs> everybody likes to talk. And then the more you want to talk about them, that's how you really connect with them. And what they like and how they view the world, it draws them out. Yes, versus them going through the normal routine of, well, what's your name, what's your date of birth, where yeah. do you live? People expect that from police officers, but when you actually give them a question on something that's personal to them, it kind of makes them step back and think, wow, this guy really cares, this lady really cares. And I think that's uh, what I really learned in law enforcement is when you – are able to connect with people wherever you go, that's when you see true results. That's when you're able to uh, turn the bad guys into good guys, so to speak. That's when, if they're thinking of doing something bad, you communicate with them. It's like, okay, maybe my words can be a lot stronger than using uh, a weapon. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I learned over time. And isn't it interesting how all the different careers or experiences in our life somehow influence and lead us to the place that we are today or will be in the future? Absolutely. And I think that comes from reflection. And I just really learned about reflection after I joined the John Maxwell team. And that's good and bad because I wish I would have learned about reflection about 10 years ago because it, reflection puts all your experiences into perspective. They, it gives you an idea of what you've really done. Because that's kind of where wisdom comes from. I mean, there's one thing to be knowledgeable, but then it's a difference when you're actually wise about what's happened to you. Yeah. And when I was able to reflect and look at some of these experiences, a lot of things started to come around to what I was passionate about, 
what I really wanted to do, how Michael Laitler can be the influential coach, trainer, and speaker that I need to be for other people. And just all these life experiences, when I was able to sit back and look at them, then I was able to say, you know what? This is why I do what I do now. And this is what I want to do into the future. And I think that when we look at all of our life experiences, everybody has something that they can offer. It's just about finding what works for you and what you're passionate about to look at it. I mean, even even sad stories or stories that aren't the greatest, they can still be used for benefits. Absolutely. And I I tell people that I'm like, and I mean, I've had trainings where guys like, you know what? I haven't had one of those sad stories in my life. And I'm like, but you've had a story. Everyone has a story. Exactly. And I tell them, I said, you may not be able to relate to the, a, ca- a cancer patient or someone that has a mental health disease. You may not relate to them, but you're going to relate to somebody. And I mean, there's, there's billions of people out there and it's just about how you use your story to your advantage. How do you use your story to make people better? And then when I was able to enlighten him in that manner, he was like, I never thought about it like that. I thought I had to have a bad thing happen to me for people to listen. And that's so interesting that you're saying that because the theme of this podcast is, is adversity. And, and one of my questions always is, you know, have you experienced, we've all experienced adversity to some degree, but have you experienced sort of a, a rock bottom or, or a crash point? And almost I'm trying to understand because of the rock bottoms that I've had, whether it's actually really useful or even necessary for some people to hit that point in order to then sort of wake up, do the wake up thing and begin to build their lives and impact uh, people in a different way. And you're sort of coming at it from a different angle going, well, whether that's happened or not, you can um, achieve, you can build your resilience, you can use your story to impact others, you can find your purpose, like all that stuff. So it's really interesting to hear the other side of it. Um, and, and so just as far as your story, as far as adversity or rock bottoms or the stuff I just said, like what comes up for you? Well, growing up, like I said, raised in a single parent household, um, my father lived in the same city, but he wasn't really known for be, to be reliable. And that made me wonder when I was a kid, like, why wasn't I good enough? Why wasn't I the one that could be looked upon because even now I mean even today at my age I'm still not really in communications with them not because I don't do well it's just I don't, I don't I've never figured it out but I think that sometimes when people look at their situations I look at it as a positive because everything I've done has been done through my mom and my grandmother and me being able to watch them how they have been successful just through their love has shown me that there's a good part of life because if he was in my life, how else would I have been? Who, what, what kind of person would I have been if he was there? I don't know. But given the success I've had, at least to my own, my, to, at least in my opinion, I think a lot of it has happened because he wasn't around. And I think for some people, that's a true rock bottom. But for me, it, it was low points in my life. because I was like, man, as a kid, I was like, man, why, why, did he, why, why did he hold me up? Why did he not come? Why didn't he show up? Of course. But then when I, when I was able to spin it to my advantage, I, I looked at it in a more optimistic view. I'm like, you know what? There's a reason why he isn't here. But and that's, I was able to- that's a hard journey. Like you, you've talked about reflection and you, you've got your kind of adult, educated, experienced mind sort of looking back on your younger self and it, and it all sorts of sort of makes sense. But um, when we're in these things, in the thick of it, it sort of doesn't make sense, right? It's just really hard to see the, the purpose or the, the meaning to it. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think what at the time when I was younger 
And I used to look at it in that manner. I, like I said, I had so much love in the household. It, was, it wasn't nothing I looked at on an everyday basis. And I sure. think that's what really helped me not crash out when I was low. Because you just really I had, had that, that balance. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had a loving parent. I had a loving grandparents. I had some other family members that were close. Yeah. And, and I think that they were able to pick me up. Um, I wasn't really into community events or nothing like that. So I didn't really have that environment like some other people may have, but I, I had enough. I mean, I had a, my family's like five people. Yeah. I mean, they're a little bit bigger now, but at the time it was maybe five of us. And I think that was more than enough for what I needed because of the amount of love that I received. Do, do you feel that you, you missed out on, or you had any replacement sort of male role models? I did have some role models that were good. Back when I was in middle school, I actually went to a private school, which is the only time I went to a private school. But I actually met a good friend where he's a little bit older, and we're still really good friends today. And his family, they were very, um, they were very educated. They were very, um, they had a lot of success. And I hung out with him a lot when I was in middle school. So I think that is what kind of shifted what I could have done at that time, because without that kind of role model, I could have easily been on other sides of the law because of that's the kind of neighborhood I grew up in. Sure. And I think I could have made some bad choices, but at the time in my life when bad choices would have been common, I had that one role model that I looked to and I hung out with him a lot and he showed me some things like as far as like how to eat right or how to, how to behave correctly in public. And I think that went a far away. And outside of that, I just, I'm, I'm, I can honestly say I'm, a, I'm good at observing people mm-hmm. in the sense of if I see them doing something, I try to replicate it in the sense of if I see someone behaving in a certain way that that looks positive, I try to do it. I don't try to cr- recreate the wheel. I don't try to reinvent it. I think that's been one of the advantages I've had growing up and just being professional because I can see people being professional. I'm like, you know what? That makes sense in my head. So let me try it their way. They seem like they're successful. They dress well. They're well-groomed. They do the certain things that, that I want to do. So let me try to be like them to be successful. And I think that just over time, I, I'm, I'm getting back into the mentor life after I became a coach and got with the John Maxwell team because I've noticed that no matter how old you are, everybody needs a mentor. Mm. What's, the, needs what's the benefit of a mentor? A mentor versus a coach. A mentor is a person that's already done it and – they give you real life experiences of what they've gone through. And people think that they have to do this on their, they, people think they have to do this journey on their own. And I think that's so far away from the truth because when you have a mentor in your life, he or she can be that person that kind of reels you back in like, Hey, you know what? This didn't work for me at that time, but let me try to make it work for you. Oh, so what are you, you're saying it's important for us to ask for help or look for support in, in some way at different, in different times of our journey. Absolutely. And you will have different mentors and coaches throughout your journey. Mm-hmm. And I don't want people to think that, okay, you have one person and they can answer all your questions because no, that's, that's not, that's far from the truth. You have to have people from different, different parts of your life that can help you. But when you're able to have that person that's a soundboard or someone you can go to for advice, you need that. You need that mentor to help you get you through those hard times. And one of the things I realized after I started the whole coaching, training, and speaking process is I needed more myself. So I reach out to people more, a lot more in 2018 than I did in the beginning of 2017. 
Okay. Yeah. Which is not and, that, that that's a, that's a year's uh, time. Yeah, and I, I tell people that's what makes me so passionate because I know how much I've lost out on because I try to do it on my own. Right. Tell me about that. Like, what was it like just the struggle of trying to do it on your own? And um, was there some conditioning around, you know, not asking for help either as, as a man or within your family or within society, really? I never learned how to. Right. I, I looked at it as weakness. And I think that, at least my opinion, whether you're male or female, I think some people look at help as not knowing enough. So you need somebody else and everybody needs somebody like whether it's a spouse or it's a religious individual or it's just someone that you work with or even just a friend that has common traits to you. Everyone needs somebody. And I think for me, I just thought hard work, just rolling up my sleeves, doing what I have to do every day was beneficial. I thought that's all I needed to succeed. And what I realized was I was missing out on so much progression because I wasn't being pushed. I wasn't being challenged on what I was doing. And because of that, I was missing out on a lot. I mean, now I, and I can tell people one of the best things I don't do anymore is watch TV. Ooh, say that again. The, what, say that again. <laughs> the, the best thing I don't do anymore is watch TV. Like ever? Rarely. I, I might watch it when I'm eating at home. Yeah. And that might be 30 minutes at a time. Yeah. So my TV, I mean, I can tell you on Sundays, I would watch football for six or seven hours. Easily, yeah. yeah. Just other days, I would watch. So, yeah, I would watch some of the others, um, like social media, Hulu, some of the other stuff for hours at a time. And then, once I reflected, I looked back that why am I watching people in their profession? Huh. Why don't I try to do the same thing and help other people out myself? Were you at that point a, a bit dissatisfied with, or, or unfulfilled? Might be a better word as far as the the, the work that you were doing, or bored or what what was going on in that time that you were just kind of numbing out your free time and maybe not thinking there was was another way oh i was definitely feeling feeling like man what am i doing every day i i thought i was doing enough but i wasn't and when i finally became a coach trainer and speaker that's when i finally realized man this is what my calling is this is what i need to be doing if i miss sleep it needs to be for this versus watching tv and like I said, since 2013, after I learned that leadership course, I was always looking for more. I was like, you know what? I, I want to be progressively more responsible. I want to become better. I want to be able to give people what I'm learning, but I wasn't really trying that hard yet. I still wasn't pushing myself. And then when I got into things like Toastmasters, I, I, I increased that skill. I, I, was able, I was able to be a better communicator. My leadership skills went up, but I was still like, man, what am I still missing? What am I still missing out on? And then this was like, when I hit the John Maxwell team, I was like, okay, now I know what it is. <laughs> and I, I was like, okay, now I truly know all this time what I, what I need to be doing versus what I want to do. This is what I need to be doing is helping out. And that hole that used to be there is now being fulfilled. The more I'm able to do things like coach, train, be on podcasts, go speak in front of people. It's all those little things that make me feel better at the end of the day versus me just going to work, working eight hours, coming home, maybe doing a little bit of cleaning, eating, watching TV, and going to bed. Because I think, for me, that cycle wasn't what I needed. It's nothing it's not, that it's helps not me stretch myself. what most people need, exactly. But I'm curious about the trigger point. So I can, uh, you know, have a very clear visual image of you, like, 
just couch potatoing it out, right? <laughs> Watching TV <laughs> for hours and hours, um, not connecting or, or living your the true value of yourself. And the, and obviously the guy that you are now, who is um, connecting and doing all these amazing things and impacting so many lives. So. You said you went on a leadership course. I'm always curious about this middle bit because it really helps listeners to go, okay, I'm, I'm at this crunch point, but I, I don't know what it is. I just have a feeling of dissatisfaction. I happened to go on a leadership course, and then what? Was it just a slow – like how did you get into the habits and routines and sort of go, I'm just not going to watch TV anymore. This is more important. You know, Talk me through the middle bit. All right, so 2013, I finished I, – I earned my master's degree in business. I took a leadership course. At that time, I knew, okay, I really need to focus on my skills. Yeah. But even then, it was a very slow process. Um, 2015, I became a lieutenant, and that's a first-level manager. That's one step above an entry-level worker in the federal prison system. Yeah. And I was, my, my first year or so, I was like, man, like, what am I not doing? Like, I'm not doing enough for yeah. people. Like, I'm doing enough for myself. I'm succeeding, but I'm still not connecting with people. Like, what is wrong? And... 2016, I joined Toastmasters, and that process kind of sped me up a little bit more. It, it provided me with a little bit more insight on how I wanted to live my life. But even then, I still had a lot of TV time, a lot of wasted time on social media. And when I mean wasted time on that, it was just me scrolling through timelines versus trying to find something that was productive to, to me. And let's be clear, there's loads of great excuses for that kind of behavior, right? Um, I'm a lieutenant, yeah. I work hard, or I, I've, I've worked hard on my master's and all of that. I deserve to chill out. I just need, to, and then it forms into some kind of habit, right? Where, where hours and hours are just sort of sucked away. Absolutely. And you don't really realize it until you reflect and say, what did I do yesterday? And then you're like, did I spend that much time watching TV? Yeah. Did I really spend that much time just be, having aimless activity without no focus? So I keep going on with my journey, and I'm like, man, I still want a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the John Maxwell team hit me, and there was so much information in there. I didn't have time for TV. Yeah. But I felt so great at the end of the day because I was like, man, I just learned all this material. And then when I opened my business up in September, mm-hmm. that took a whole other level of focus and time. So I wasn't wasting any more time watching television or watching pointless or doing pointless activities. I was focused on creating content, connecting with people, learning how to be an entrepreneur that it took so much of my day up that when I, when I go to bed, when I go to bed now, I'm exhausted from learning. So you replaced it with something that excited you, made you feel alive, made you feel connected and like you were moving towards your, your, your purpose, whatever that was. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was the biggest shift for me. And it wasn't no overnight thing. It wasn't like I just... Right. It, it never is, right? <laughs> it, it really isn't. But then, when I, I mean, it's April now. But if I look at April last year of 2017, I, I'm not... I, I'm very productive now, at least in my opinion. I was, I was okay productive then. Like, obviously, I was moving in the right direction. But now I have so many things that I, I, I have my hands in. But I feel so good about them because... All of them deal with leadership, and it all deals with me helping people out. I have my business. I still work as a lieutenant. I'm a president of a Toastmasters club. Are I'm you? a young adult minister. I'm a father. So it's a lot of things that, that is are a lot of company. things. Yes, but I I love all of it. That's that's the that's the mess. That's the best part about it is that I'm able to connect with people, and I see myself helping everyone out 
rather than just helping myself out now. And so what if somebody comes to you in whatever capacity, friend, mentor, coach, client, whatever, um, and, uh, you know, is saying, I'm, I'm dissatisfied, I'm, I'm unfulfilled, I don't quite know what I want to do, um, I've, I, but I just haven't got time. I haven't got, I've got this job. I haven't got time to look into this other stuff or to, you know, do all the things. That you, I, I just don't have time. Like, what would you say to them? I'd sit there and I'd tell them, let's pull out a calendar. Let's pull out your, let's pull out your daily routine right now. Yeah. <laughs> and let's see if you truly don't have time. Right. And then like, when people where is your time sit, going, right? Mm-hmm. And I tell them there's time for, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's only 24 hours in a day, 160 right. hours in a week. But people don't realize how much time they have to do things until they write it down and look at it. Yeah. They're like, wow, do I actually spend three hours watching TV? Or do I spend four hours at the gym when I'm really only there for an hour? Like, yeah. why, like, why am I doing all this? And I try to find ways to help them maximize that time. For example, I do audiobooks. And I tell mm-hmm. people, want, rather than listen to the radio, why don't you listen to the audiobook? Yeah. That, that if you have a loud house or you have a 15 or 20-minute drive, pull up an audiobook and learn that way. And then it's, it, doesn't, it has different pros and cons to it, but it allows you to increase your knowledge in that area that you're trying to get into. So like utilize the time and the routines that you do have, but just switch up what's mindlessly going into your brain versus what's, what you can consciously put into your brain. Yeah, correct. And I, and I tell them, I mean, I do a daily calendar with them and a weekly calendar. And I said, all right, let's, let's look at it from here. Let's plan out your week. Even, even plan out your sleep. I mean, plan out when you eat. And I think that for me, that level of time management has helped increase so much of my productivity that... I have extra time to do activities now. I have extra time to sit back and say, you know what? All right, if, if I'm 10 minutes behind on something, I can. I have a lot of myself time in this area versus trying to scramble and catch up with something else. And I think that comes with planning ahead, reflecting on your life, what you really want. Because a lot of times people don't know their priorities until they sit down and write them down. And then you get um, stress, burnout, all those things, you know, if you're, you're trying to push yourself, but maybe you're still doing some of the other stuff that's, you know, hanging out with people that maybe drain your energy or um, don't sort of help lift you up or surrounding yourself with that sort of thing. Uh, it kind of impacts in different ways. Oh, yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't want nobody to think that you shouldn't have fun or have downtime, but plan your downtime. There's nothing wrong with that. It, it's being, it's having a level of focus that allows you to be happy at the end of your day. It helps you realize, you know what, I, had, I, I went out with the family, I had dinner with them, or I went to a sports game, but it was planned. Now I can get back to doing whatever I need, uh, whatever else I need to do to, to make money or to help, help people out. So you can also think, like, do it guilt-free, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I tell them, it, it, that comes through planning. If you say I'm going to sit in, for example, if you still want to watch TV, I'm going to sit and watch TV for six hours today. Okay, put that in your plan. Don't let it just happen yeah. and you miss out on other stuff. But then see what you, you, you give up on, perhaps, uh, in order mm-hmm. to do that and whether it's worth it. Like you talked about priorities, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that comes with planning and scheduling and really looking at what you want in your life. And uh, in your experience, when, when people face some kind of adversity, do you see you know, some people that it completely knocks them and... Uh, sort of ruins things for them and other ones where it actually pushes them in a way to to thrive and do better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just being in law enforcement alone, I can tell you that the calls I responded to, just some of the people I deal with, 
Um, like I said, I work in a federal prison now, so I definitely see how people respond to adversity in a wow. certain way. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, but, but it's true. But that's I mean, I, and I talk to them. I'm like, hey, why did you do this? And they give me their life story. And a lot of times it's not life stories that, yeah. that couldn't have been mine. So I understand. I understand. Completely. I'm like, OK, wow. you were raised up in a single parent household. You, you didn't have the right mentors. So you went to the streets to get your to to, to get that love that you needed. Yeah, your sense yeah. of belonging. Right? And when I look at them, I'm like, okay, how, how can you become more resilient? Like, how can you overcome adversity? And a lot of time, it's the mindset people have. I mean, I've seen, like you said, I've seen people hit rock bottom with it, and I've seen people. I, I don't know, and I know there's sciences and all the statistics and all the different things, but. I tell people, if you want to be successful, if you want to learn how to get through any adversity you have, you have to be prepared for it. You have to understand that in your life, you're going to have adversity. Now, there's different levels for everything. I mean, don't, there's no right or wrong answer, but just know that you're, you're going to have a hard adversity in your life. And the more you prepare for it, the more you look at other situations, you put things in perspective, that's when you realize, okay, this happened to me for this reason. What can I do to maximize the benefit now? Like, what can I do to what 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 good thing can I pull out of this? Because there's, I mean, most activities you can always find something. I mean, the harder life is, a lot of times you can use that to help the next person out. Go ahead. But it takes time to to get that perspective. I was stuck on the question of you know how do you prepare for adversity? Is it just the the knowledge that regardless who you are, what your background, you will face something? And you have a choice at that moment to to do the things that you're saying, reflect or allow it to push you forward or to hold you back. Like no, noticing the choice. Is that what it yeah, is? Yes. You be prepared when it comes to your mindset. When I was growing up and even now, I'm great at watching other people's experience and, try, and trying to make sure it doesn't happen to me. And I think that yeah. sometimes people are caught off guard, guard by certain situations. Because they never realized it could happen to them. And I think the more people read, the more people communicate with others, you realize that, man, there's a lot, there's a lot going on in this world. There's a lot of things going on. Mm-hmm. And if you can kind of give yourself that kind of time and reflection and say, okay, I know this never happened to me, but if it would happen to me, what, what, what would I do in that situation? What can I do to become better? Like, how do I overcome that type of adversity? And it takes time to learn that skill. It takes time to understand how you can shape your mind to do that. But it is possible, and it will help. But that's really interesting to almost, you know, imagine, you know, if I was uh, living in abject poverty or if I was on the, you know, due to circumstance on the other side of the law or, you know, more, more regular day-to-day things in Western society as far as, you know, losing someone close to you, grieving someone, um, like not not to, to depress us, but almost to play around with the idea of, you know, how would I choose to handle some of that stuff? Because that's with, with any kind of training, uh, you know, you, you go on uh, first aid courses or risk management or whatever technical type training, you, you do that before, you do the theory before the practice, right? 
Um, but it's almost like we don't do that um, as kids or, you know, as parents. If anything, parents want to protect, protect their kids from all adversity, which doesn't give them, I've seen and clients that I've worked with, the sort of foundation baseline um, to, to practice the theory around it before kind of jumping in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely upbringing and preparation. Those life experiences go a far way because I can tell you with with myself, fortunately, I grew up in Miami, Florida, which is a big city, but it's a fast city. There's a lot going on. And I was able to see so many different walks of life, whether it was the homeless man on the street or the billionaire. And it kind of gives you a, a mindset. It kind of gives you, puts you in a situation where you're able to not necessarily relate to everybody, but understand there's so many different avenues of life out there. And I think that the more people are exposed to whether it's in leadership or just everyday life, that's, that's how you prepare. So when situations happen, you can, you can know that, okay, let me put it in perspective. It could be this way or it could, it could be that way. And I think that that process just comes over time. It's nothing that you're going to do overnight by any means. Now, trust me. I, I mean, I, I've seen, I, I mean, I've seen people in their fifties have a hard time coping with some of the things I may have seen in my twenties. So, I mean, by, by no means, can someone just overnight build, have that resilient mindset? But you can practice. You can build yourself up, like 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 working out at the gym. People don't people aren't able to do twenty pull ups naturally. It takes some time to train their body no. to do that. And we could do the yep. same thing with our minds. Train our minds to be prepared for situations. Train our minds to be ready for adversity. And when it comes, it's not as bad because it's still going to be bad. It's still going to be tough. But it's easier to recover, kind of like when you work out that very first time when it takes you five days to recover versus you do that same workout for six weeks straight and you recover in 30 minutes. That's the same thing with our minds. It's still tough when it's happening, but you're able to bounce back a lot easier when you train yourself and you prepare yourself for it. Now, do you think you had sort of a natural instinct around observing other people uh, in the way that you're describing or do you think that because of circumstances and, you know, what it was like in your area, you had quite a strong, uh, you know, fight-flight response? Because that can also help us observe everything, almost from a slight sort of fear place. I'm always interested in the nature versus nurture bit. Like, some people just naturally seem to observe, watch, notice, while other people are oblivious. Yeah, I think that just comes from the, my upbringing. Like I said, growing up in a faster yeah. city, um, growing up in not the best of neighborhoods, yeah. you kind of... You're kind of prepared, yeah. You you're kind to, of prepared right? to kind of keep looking over your shoulder, and then the same thing. And I mean, then I, when I was 19, yeah. that it didn't help the situation. Being a police officer, where everywhere you're, you're everywhere you go, your head's on a swivel, so to speak. You're always <laughs> yeah. looking around. You're sitting yeah. in the back of the restaurants. You're that somebody that looks that doesn't yeah. look like a upstanding citizen walks in. You kind of give them two looks. I mean, it's all the little things you do that kind of build up to that. But yeah, a lot of times, just being, I mean, I. I I know not everybody has that same lifestyle or they're, they're, they're subject to that, which isn't a bad thing. It's just one of those things that you kind of have to learn over time that you kind of – you don't put yourself in those situations. Don't, don't, I don't want anybody to say, yeah, yeah I'm, going to, I'm going to the projects to go see how it is down there. Don't, don't take that as a bias. <laughs> Let's just yeah, hang yeah. out. Don't go drive through there just to see how it feels. Don't do that. But be cognizant of what goes on in areas like that. Be aware of some of the struggles people have, even in – and in, in predominant areas, people still have struggles. I mean, it's not like just just because they have a great 
financial lifestyle or they have they had this kind of education that they don't have problems. It's just that they're just their responses are a little different. Their their ways to handle a little different. But it, it comes through a lot of experience and being really aware of where you are. And I think that does come just through people's upbringings and then what they do when they become adults. Because I mean, I've seen people in their forties where they have no clue what's going on around them. None whatsoever. And I mean, that's not a bad thing because some people just are, I mean, that that's a different, that's a certain level of stress that people don't need to have. That's why law enforcement officers do it so well. But unfortunately they burn out a lot too, because they're on high alert for 25, 30 years of their life at a, at an elevated level. Well, and then you can develop post-traumatic stress and, and sort of things like that. But I guess I'm seeing it, it is a classic example of turning adversity into advantage. You know, for me, being raised in, in a cult, you know, I've definitely had a fight, flight, look over your shoulder kind of uh, um, instinct um, just for, for survival. And it used to, you know, just annoy me. And I was so fed up and angry about that aspect of my past and who it made me to be. But in similar work that you do and in speaking on stage and working with people, I realized that I've had a literally a lifetime of learning how to observe people and notice what they're doing and allow it to teach me. Like long before I was ever in doing formal education or doing this sort of career path. So it's like, okay, it's shit to be raised in that situation. And you might go, Hey, that was adversity, but equally it was the starting point to give you an edge in a way um, on, on people who may have had a, the, the, that safer, more sort of normalized up. Oh yeah. 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 I agree with you completely. And there's so many people you can relate to that, that helps you understand like their struggle just because, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, depends on where you're raised. You do look over your, your, your shoulder all day long, but that's not really, I mean, I don't yeah. want my son going through that. I mean, I don't want him worrying about, well, what's going to happen if I go down this street? I don't want him worried about that. So, I mean, I'm going to safeguard him as much as I can. I don't, I'm, I'm going to teach him about stuff like that. But if I can yeah. teach him through my experiences versus him having to experience, I would prefer it that yeah. way. Do you think it still has the same uh, impact? It depends on the recipient. Because right. for me, I, I mean, like I said, I haven't experienced the hardest things of life. And trust me, I don't want to. I mean, if he becomes one of those people that have to learn the hard way, then he's just going to have to learn the hard way. But I'm hoping that through my methods of, of explaining and just giving him my life experience and mentoring him as a father, that he doesn't go through those same some of the or he doesn't he doesn't risk the exposure to some of those same activities. So that would be a goal that I would give everybody. If you whatever you've gone through in your life, whether it's even if you've been sheltered, so to speak, tell people how that felt. I mean, especially if you felt like you've been oversheltered. I mean, let them know what, what, what kind of situations that's put you in because everybody needs education in a sense of not maybe formal book education, but they need at least be under they need to understand that how the world how the world moves. I think that just comes through other people's testimonials, other people's life stories. I think that's just from keeping your ears open and then receiving the information that's given to you. Ooh, that's the trick, right? Oh. Um, the, the listening, receiving, and reflecting is, are the themes that I've been taking from, you know, how you've uh, shifted uh, your, your, your life path is going, hey, do I want this? Auditing, looking at my calendar and my, my work time in order to go, uh, this bit makes me feel alive. I'm going to do more of that. Because going to Toastmasters or things like that at first is kind of scary. It's a bit risky, right, when you, the first time that you put yourself out there for different uh, sort of things. So there's work ethic, but you were 
uh, chasing something or, or taking some risks along the way. Oh, yeah. Like I, I had nobody sit here and tell me to become a coach, trainer, or speaker. I never – no no one ever right. said, Michael, why don't you go do this? I've, I mean, I, I mean you, hear, you hear just throughout your life depending on some people like, oh, man, you speak well or – you know what? You know you can you, you be a good leader, but nobody actually sat down and pulled me and said, "You know what? I you need to go pursue this today." I've never had that done to me, no. and my up to this point. No. I mean, and it's not a bad thing. It's just one of those things that come through once again, hard work, upbringing, and just watching how other people succeed. That I'm like, you know what? I see this guy going on podcasts. It's a having podcast. I see this guy reading books. You know what? And they seem successful. So why don't I try this to see how it works for me? I love that. I love that. That's the whole reason I started podcasting was just going, I learned so much from these types of podcasts and I'm interested in this kind of thing. And people are saying I'm bringing value through my experience. Why don't I try it? Um, and, and then you just do and it just develops and, and, and leads you on to further things. Oh, yeah, it does. And that's why I tell people. There's something in John Maxwell's one of his books called The Law of um, the, the Fifteen Laws of Valuable Growth, where he calls something called the Law of the Rubber Band. And what that talks about is being yourself, not to bring a break, but kind of step out of your comfort zone, do something that's going to push you. Don't just do things that are just that just come to you. Try try to stretch your ability to become better, and that's when you see true growth in yourself. Is when you're like, you know what, I've, I've never really been good at public speaking. Let me go find a way to become a better public speaker. Let me go to Toastmasters and just kind of see how it goes. Or I've never really coached anybody. Let me go get some training to see how it feels. Or I've never been in the leadership role. Let me see how it is to feel a, to, to be a leader. But if I don't like it, I can always stop. But at least I understand now how it is. I think that comes with stretching yourself, pushing yourself to greatness. is just kind of stepping out your comfort zone and seeing how things work. So what's next for Michael Laidler? Well, I, I've been blessed to have a book coming out at the end of the month, which is called Local Business Mavericks. And it just it, it's a it's a book that I'm co-authoring and it's just it's my first time writing a book. So I think that's something that's gonna be different. And I know with books it's something that I just learned and really paid attention to is with books, you never know who you're gonna reach with your writing. But True. you you do it with the hope that hopefully you can inspire at least one person. You can motivate them to become better. You can do whatever you're writing about just to kind of reach a person that may just get the book out of a library and read a chapter. You never know. So that's what's next for me. I just launched the e-course back on just a couple of days ago. Um, and I think all this stuff's really coming around. I, I, I'm really excited just being this whole coaching, training, speaking world because it's really stretched me where I'm able to use back as intended as well so it's kind of a lot of things that are coming around i'm able to use it in my family life so it's a lot of things that are really working out well and i think that between the book and the e-course that i'm going to see a lot of growth not just in me but in the people that i'm able to reach amazing amazing and it's, if people want to find out more or want to work with you in some way or, or book you for speaking where can they find you my, my website is www.michael.com aidlaitler.com. I'm also on Facebook under Michael Laitler Leadership, which is my, my business page. And then I'm on LinkedIn as well under Michael Laitler. So if you're looking for, I post my videos on there. I post social media images just to kind of give you a little motivation every day. And then my website kind of brings it all together, but it's multiple ways to find me. 
I'm not very hard to find. I'm always a guy. Usually you see a photo smiling just because I'm that excited just to be awake. You do. You do. You, <laughs> I'm, you just, are. I'm just I'm that excited, excited to, be, to be, awake. be awake. That's why you always see me with a big smile. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know what? I, I may not even woke up today. I'm lucky. <laughs> I may not even woke up today. I'm lucky. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. Um, and, and I have to say, I, I do see your content on, on LinkedIn and I can vouch for it. It's always inspirational. It's always spot on. Um, we'll, we'll add your... Um, web address and, and details into the, the show notes. Michael, thank you so much for, for your time, taking the time to talk about uh, resilience and, and your own personal journey. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Petra. And this has been a great podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If something helped you today, please do share this episode with a friend and let them know that they are not alone. I know that for me, isolation kept me stuck much longer than I needed to be. So let's practice courage and talk to someone about what's going on as that's the first step to making life amazing. Check out my website, petravelsboer.com for your free Kickstarter plan, which will teach you to turn your biggest weaknesses into your greatest strengths. Join the community of people who are changing the way they view life's challenges and living life to the full. Until next time, goodbye.